You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Can you make this quick? I got a meeting. All right, Joel Klatt uh, joins us, presented by Audi Flatirons. I, I figured Joel you Klatt, long-time right, football Bronco yourself. fan, would, would uh, appreciate that. Well, I'm sure Joe had... So they, everybody, you, you come up, Joel... Joel, welcome Good to the program. Morning. You come up with What's certain, up, boys? Well, we're talking about certain terms and, and things you do yeah. to keep the game fun, certain calls you have that, uh, you know, you guys come up with as players that indicate a certain technique you want to use, certain blocking scheme you want to use, maybe certain route combination you want to use. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's part of like our thing and it's funny, you know, and, yeah. So, yeah, you, you do it all the time. I don't know if you have anything that pops into your head that you guys used to do. Yeah, I, I know. I Well, and I think you probably used a lot of the same terminology, in particular in pass protection. I wasn't involved in, in run calls as much up front because you guys usually handle those up, up front yourself with the shooby-dooby-wop. So, right. but, the, but the protection calls, in particular, we ran a lot of, of – Slide protection, you know, half slide, half man. We called it jet, two jet, three jet, uh, six jet, things like that. I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys use something same similar. Exact, same, everyone ex- uses the, you, same exact thing for us, two jet, okay, three jet. So yeah. you would identify, like, for instance, two jet, you would identify the number one threat or linebacker, second-level player on the weak side, and you're going to say, okay, center, guard, and, and tackle on that weak side, you're going to slide. And you're going to take the down two linemen and that furthest linebacker out there. Now, if the linebacker is outside of, of the tackle, it's an L.A. call because this offense was invented in San Francisco and L.A. is further than San Francisco. If he's inside the tackle box, it's a niner call, okay? And so you do that enough during the game, and, and, and they start to know, like, who you're identifying as – as the player, that's why it started going towards like you just identify the mic, and then that sets the number so you know who's number one. If you're going to identify the mic, he's always the number two player on the second level from weak to strong or strong to weak, whether you're in two or three jet. Well, instead of always saying like LA, LA, I just started saying anything to do with LA. I could say at the time like Kobe, Shaq, Lakers, Dodgers, Angels, Angels. You know, and, and just to confuse, because listen, defensive players are stupid. Tom Brady told you that this week on, on the Manning cast. And, and like, I'm here to tell you the same thing. So you can do things like that. Anything to do with LA. If they were inside the tackle box, it was, it was, you know, anything to do with San Francisco or Oakland. So at the time we'd say like Raider Raider or, you know, Giants. And I would always kind of leave it in the sports realm and, and say either a player synonymous with that city or, or so on. There was also another one. And this is the other thing. Sorry, Stink, but the offensive linemen never remember the snap count. Yeah, and so no. we would have these code words for like what snap count you called in the huddle. So I remember like first sound, which was like no motion tank play. You'd come up, you're not checking anything, and I would go on first sound a lot just to try to get an advantage. And our code word for first sound was Boston. And <laughs> guys, it was oh, we'd walk up to the line screen, so we'd go check, check, and I would be like, oh. You gotta be kidding me. And then you, cause you can't say Boston over and over again or else they know what your snap count's gonna be on. So I would do anything to do with Boston. I would say Tea Party. I would say Celtics. I would, you know, whatever 
to do. So yes, uh, stink. That's the the beauty of offensive communication at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you know, in Washington we had a we had a system. So we we didn't call it on one on two on three. We called it on red, white, and blue. Oh, so I like that. Red, white, and blue. You know, obviously red being one, white being two, and and blue being three. But then what we would do is any of our fake audibles, we would go red, white, and blue on our fake audibles. So, yes. so then you, you, the, the defense doesn't get a, that doesn't get a key on what your snap count is because you're using blue or you're using red or white in a fake audible situation. That's right. Yeah. So and, we, and we would also have, have live colors and dead colors within yes. the cadence because the cadence was color number, color number said hot, hot, you know, whatever it is. And so like we would have a dead color for us was always yellow. Live color was always red, but I could change it before the series. Be like, hey, live this this series is black. So if they heard black, then the number corresponding afterwards was going to change the play or the play concept. And we might go to to ninety four zone. So black ninety four, black ninety. You know, you give it yeah. a little black ninety four. Now, if you give yellow, yellow is a dead cadence, meaning even if I say said hut, however many times, we're not snapping. And, and I loved using dead cadence because you could get what I called them was, was the sheep to move. You know, you want the defensive structure to move and show you their hand a little bit. So you go, you know, like yellow 90, yellow 90, get a little hard, something like that. And then, you know, sure enough, that dumb safety, he like steps down like, Oh, they can snap it. Not knowing that we've used yellow uh, dead cadence for two straight quarters. Right. And then you can change the play and then you kind of step out away and you're like, all right, check, check. Here we go. Red 200. And we're going to get in a little 200 gel. We're going to X tag. We're going to run a little spacing. Then you call the Y in spacing, you know, stuff like that. That's a, Gets me all jacked up. Oh, oh man, it's the kind of stuff oh. that makes the girls in Fort Collins swoon. I'm it, telling it you. It is. I tell you what, on our check with meat packages when I was in Washington, we use yellow and green. And so we use yellow and green all the time on stuff that wasn't check with me. So it was always dead if it wasn't a check with me play. But if it was check with me play, then it became live. And then we go yes. opposite, opposite color number. So if we said like, Green 50, green 50, green was to the right, so it would be 40 gut, which was just our zone. If we went yellow, yellow 40, yellow 40, it would be opposite. So we go yellow to the left, that would be a, 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 a 50 gut on the left side. But then we could go yellow 50, yellow 50 in a regular play that wasn't a check with me, and it didn't mean anything. Amazing. And you guys, oh, I love it. You, oh, get, yeah, you was, guys are was, all grown up, and yet you're still playing Simon Says. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's so like, good. It's, it's so good. Still and Joel playing. is so right, the dumb defensive players. So did you, agree oh. with, did you agree with Tom Brady the other night when he said the defensive players are basically like dogs chasing cars? Yes, basically. And and the thing about it is, like, you have to understand the hierarchy of, of the football field. Like, generally, the dumbest people on the field are the defensive tackles. Because they know exactly one and a half things. One and a half. Right or left, and which gap, which they're already lined up in, which is why it's a half. Mm -hmm. One and a half things they have to understand. Their job is completely physical. Ends maybe a little bit more because maybe they've got to flip. Maybe they got to be a six or a four eye, or maybe they got to get into a wide nine, change their technique a little bit. But those generally are, are like, those are your rockheads, right? Those are, it's all physically based. They can lift the entire weight room, but they don't understand much of what's going on. And then you go from there and, and there's that hierarchy of football. And then there's also the hierarchy of skill.
skill. Okay. Now, if if you can, if you have vision and can run the football, you're going to be a running back. Okay. You're not like, oh man, this guy has great vision and great skill. Look at him move. Let's make him a linebacker. Nope. Nope. That's not how it goes. Uh, same thing with the ability to catch the ball. Mike Martz, I mean, he floored me one day. I'm, I'm in training camp with the Lions, and I had cut my teeth in a very, like, operate the system, be efficient. That was my whole game, right? I'm a, I'm a six-foot-and-a-half quarterback that had to do it all just through, like, studying and operation and, and efficiency and getting us into the right play, playing on rhythm, making sure my timing was correct making good decisions, so on and so forth. So when I got to Detroit, that's what I was trying to do. I earned myself a contract because of that, because I could operate the system very well. Having said that, I wasn't a guy that was going to sit there and, and make above the X's and O's throws at the third level. And so there's one play, and we're running offense, and they did the digit system, and we've got the an eight route, and an eight route was a post route. And, and there's, you know, kind of a, a single safety there, and I don't throw the post, and I checked it down, and I'm feeling very good about myself. And so I come back to the huddle, and Mike Martz is just looking at me, and he's kind of looking at me disgusted. And I'm just like, you know, when your mind goes so fast, if you're, like, in trouble or something, someone's looking at you, maybe your wife looks at you, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And you're just like, the Rolodex is spinning in your head. And I'm like, wait, did I was it the wrong you know, formation. Did I not kick a motion? Uh, you know, what, what didn't I see? And, and he was like, why'd you throw that? And I was like, Oh, well, I've got this answer. You know, I'm going to impress him. And I was like, well, we had post safety there and I, you know, and I'm giving him all this. And then the linebacker, uh, uh, hugged on the break route. So I threw the, the little arrow to the back and he's like, Joel. And then he threw a couple of expletives in there. And he was like, if that safety was any good, he'd be a wide receiver, throw the damn post. And I was like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. That is just that, 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 that very dry, just uh, just aristocratic, uh, I'm a patronizing way that Martz would speak, huh? Yeah. Oh, he said it with all the we're better than them drippiness that you could possibly <laughs> want. Drippy. Dude, that is so, by the way. So Mike March, I, I I'll lean on Mike March occasionally. I'll call Mike March and say, "Hey man, t- explain to me kind of the origins of this, like all the shifts and motions." And and Mike March really set the league on fire with, "We're going to shift and we're going to motion at least two times every every snap before we do anything." And they were the least back in those Rams days of the uh, greatest show on turf. They were the least penalized team, you know, pre-snap penalties in the league, and they did more motion and more shift. To, to, you know, read the mail of the defense than anybody. And he is just the overall snarkiness that he talks with in regards to defensive players is beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. Oh. And I can just see him say that. And it, um, it just makes my, it warms my heart. Just warms my heart. It's, it's so good. That system, you know, I was there in Detroit right when he got there under Rod Marinelli with the head coach and, and Mike was the offensive coordinator. Uh, John Kitna had just been signed and, and they had Roy Williams and Charles Rogers and Mike Williams and, but he would put on Rams film from, you know, his time with St. Louis at the time and watching, watching, <laughs> watching cutups of the greatest show on turf with Orlando Pace. And those wide receivers, I mean, I remember, uh, who was that? Like Isaac Bruce and Azakim mm-hmm. and, and Marshall. Fulton. Torrey Holt. 
Marshall Falk, Tory Holt, Marshall Falk was the best football player I've ever seen on film, ever, period. He did everything, and all of those motions and, sh- and shifts that you were talking about were generally to unlock or unfold some area of the defense in order to let Marshall Falk attack it. They used to have this, this play, and the concept was called 095 at post. And 095 at post was this play that, that basically, and they could do it at a 525, 095. Like, there was all sorts of ways they could do it in the digit system, calling the routes out. And, but it, it always was attached with F post. And they must have run that thing, shoot, 12 times a game, which is just an obscene number. If you know anything about football, you know, like, if you call one concept three different times during the course of the game, I'm talking about past concepts, that's a lot. That mm-hmm. is a lot. And they would run it 10, 12 times a game, Mark, and they would always unlock, you know, through all the things that we're talking about, they would unlock the mystery of what was going on in front of them and they would attack with Marshall Falk. And it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever think. When offenses run properly and in rhythm, it's like a symphony versus some sort of grunge band that the Broncos are right now, just banging on drums in a garage in Seattle. Well, I'm glad you we could transition to that. By the way, if you ever do want to knock the insufferable Mike Martz down a peg, just say, ask him why he forgot about Marshall Falk in the Super Bowl that they lost to the Patriots. Where well, I, trust me, I, I did. You know my snarkiness. I was like, why didn't you get the ball to him you know, in that Super Bowl? And he's like, I would have if he wasn't being held on every play. <laughs> That's good. All right. Emotions that you felt while watching the Broncos-Browns game last Thursday? Disgust, somewhere between nausea and and outright depression. Um that's a game you've got to win. I don't care where it's being played. Their quarterback's not in the ball game. You've got to win the game. You've got to find a way to win the game, and they weren't able to do that. Broncos are just not a very good football team. You, you understand that when you look at, like, these, these – there are some metrics out there that show you what you are, right? They're, they're revealing you can't run away from them. Yards given up per play, right, not total, but per play – and then average to go on third down. And when you look at those, you know, one's offensive and one's defense, you're going to see everything that you need to see as it relates to your ability to have success, and they're failing in both of those. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think my math is correct, over the four-game losing streak, Denver's defense has given up like five and a half yards per play. You're just not going to win doing that. The defense is not playing up to par. The defensive line is not playing up to par. Obviously, they've had a ton of injuries at the linebacker spot. But then offensively, you know, the average yards to go on third down is in basically like I think it's the bottom three or four in the league. You're not going to have success doing that. Um, I'm sorry, but like, Jim, like the Pat Shermer deal is just not it's just not working, guys. Like, I I I don't know what to say. Like I said, like offense when it's done properly is beautiful. It's rhythmic. There's an efficiency to it, and and this is uh, this is not that. This is a, a high school garage band banging on drums, and it's incredibly infuriating to watch. Well, there's no question about that. And you look at this offense right now, and you were you know you have said um, from the standpoint of this football team that you thought that they had really increased their talent level, and you thought that they were a very talented football team. So 
you know, when all of a sudden the Cleveland Browns beat you with their JV team, just shove it down your throat. I mean, here's here's one for you. Hey, we've got a uh, backup left tackle, or backup right tackle. He's our third right tackle. We got our third running back. We got a backup quarterback. Uh, we'll take the ball and we'll cram it down your throat. Like they don't even defer. They're just basically disrespecting you. You, you look at the talent level. And I know there's been injuries, Joel. Can you put your finger on just what this team is and and kind of where you think they've gone wrong? I don't think that they're good enough at the line of scrimmage on either side. You look at the pressure that they give up on the offensive side and their inability to stop base down offense. That's a, that's usually a line of scrimmage issue. Um, you know, they they're constantly in third and one scenarios, and you can't get mad at third down defense when you're in third and one, and that's a problem. Their, their inability to play a game in which they provide pressure against the passing game and, and stability against the run game, I think, hinders them. Uh, and as poor as the, the secondary has been at times, and, and I know that they have not played up to their talent level or salary level, certainly. I mean, we've talked about before that this is the most expensive secondary in, in all of football. But really the problem lies – I believe in the defensive line. They just have, they have not been good enough. You don't give yourself a chance, even in the secondary or the second level, uh, or on third down, unless you can put yourself in a scenario in which it's advantageous for you on that down. Defense has always been, and I will maintain this, been built front to back and inside out. You've got to be at least coherent. Uh, you've got to be at least quality. In those spots before that you can have the splash players on the outside, the outside, the edges are for players that can play above the X's and O's. But if you're not solid and stout front to back and inside out, it doesn't matter what you have on the edges. And so what you have right now is a very expensive defense that, that is built from the outside in. They're in orange. The toughest thing about them is their edges. And then you open it up and they're just like ooey pulp right down the middle. I assume you have Michigan, Michigan State this weekend? I do, and I could not be more excited. Um, that one should be an absolutely, oh gosh, the vitriol. You know me, man. I, I, I absolutely love being involved in these rivalries in which there's true vitriol, like, like real hatred. Um, and this has that. And I think it should be a really good game, too. It's the first time both have been in the top 10, Michigan and Michigan State, since 1964. A uh, massive game. Cannot wait to get up there. All right. Well, let me speak for a uh, Buff fan listening right now. Are you going to uh, have a moment with Mel Tucker? <laughs> um, this will be my first in-person meeting with Mel on Friday. I'd like to think that... You're, you can't help um, yourself. You're not going to be able to help yourself. I know you. I mean, I do find it... Let's just say I don't think I'm going to have to have a moment because Michigan State fans could be dealing with the same thing now that LSU is clearly going to be coming uh, and knocking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a little jab in. I know you are. Well, of course, Mike, but I don't know when it's going to come or I what know, it's going to I know. be. I know. I mean, you've got, to, you've got to be in the moment, and, and it's got to be subtle enough where they don't quite know that they've been jabbed right in the chin until afterwards, and then they're like, oh, wait, I think that, that, I think that was condescending. Uh-huh. And you're like, yes, it was. So this will be a subtle jab, not like the direct jab you took when you walked into that bar in Montana and took on right. the guy with the cauliflower ears. 
Why you got to bring up old stuff? Yeah. Why you got to bring up old stuff? First of all, it wasn't just cauliflower here. He had jeans painted on, and his belt buckle was bigger than my forehead, which is substantial. Yeah. So, I, like, it, I, it, he hit me so hard. It felt like I had just been hit with, like, a hot skillet. But then it didn't. It wasn't even like that so much because I've been hit in the head, you know, like I, I can shake that off enough. You give me a moment and I'll stand back up. He came over and just stomped my face with his boot. And I was just like, this is going poorly. I need to get out of here immediately. Now, this is more subtle. Like when you wake up after a, a college bender and you're like, why does my jaw hurt? That that's that that kind of stuff. What happened? Yeah, what yeah, happened right, last night? Right. Not as right. direct. What happened? Why is my knee so swollen? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, wow. I I slipped and tore my meniscus. Yeah. It may or may not have happened. I'm not sure. Oh man, Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker. Oh, wow, no wonder you can't you. wait to get up there. Okay, have a great call. We'll get all the highlights from you next week. Thanks, Joel. Yeah. He loves that. Oh, he, he loves does. that. He does. People love, people loved it too. They're like, I'm ready to run through a wall right now for Joel. All right. That'll do it. Joel Klatt, as always, presented by Audi Flyered Irons. And as always, a lot to unpack with Joel. Also, Sandy Clough will join us as he was hosting both the fan Nuggets and Avalanche postgame shows last night. His thoughts next. Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com.